0: We say good morning. 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 Another opportunity to worship together with God's people. We uh, come today to actually one of the most famous accounts in all the Bible. And it's like everybody knows this story or should know it. This is the crossing of the Red Sea. That's where we've come so far as we move into Exodus 14. And what we do in this chapter is just stand back, watch, see the salvation of the Lord. Because that's what it is. We know that we're saved by sovereign grace and here as we look at the Israelites uh, as they are physically saved by God. We uh, look at His power and His grace, and, and we also see the wrath of God. That's what we've seen all through the plagues, and uh, here we go again. God has a plan. God's plan is always perfect, and in every way. Only thing is, is we're not, and when we don't understand some of the strange things He's doing, we realize later that He worked it out in the best possible way. And when we think of that, that puts us at ease a lot. Um, The Israelites seem to be trapped in. That's where we kind of left off last week. We were moving in that direction. And matter of fact, it's an impossible situation as far as humans are concerned. There's no way out of this. Uh, They didn't think that they uh, were going to get out of this. What is going to happen? The thing that they didn't know, that God actually was using this situation, had it planned all along, this unusual trapping that they have, to destroy the Egyptians. It wasn't to destroy the Israelites, but it was the Egyptians. That's what he had in mind all along. But it sure looked like danger, didn't it? And that's that's what we'll see as we go through this chapter. This is where trusting in the Lord is vital. Because there's a lot of times when we do not understand what is going on and what he is doing. <laughs> and so I think we can identify with that again, can we not? Difficulties can come, terrible circumstances, the worst situations that you can imagine, and we seem like we're hopeless. And yet, we need to remember that God is the one who actually, ultimately, if He's in total control, not only let us be in that situation, but He can put us in that situation for there's something that goes much further beyond what we see. Remember, we live by faith and not by sight. So, if He didn't want us there, He would pull us right out. So, if He's in total control, which we say He is, then He's going to use this. Our finite minds have a hard time comprehend, uh, comprehending what God is doing. And we look at this story here, and it's a great illustration. It's a great Bible story. You know, kids growing up, they all know this story. But uh, we as adults kind of forget it. And um, I don't know if that faith story was brought to us so much as kids or not, as much as just a heroic That uh, God did, or or what Moses did, but we have a God here that really takes care of his children as his sovereign plan comes together. And he's doing it. Now, the Israelites are in the process of trying to learn who this God is. And what better way to show them than through his great power, some of the miracles that he did. And now it's time to experience some things that would be difficult to show them that God really does care. So they're learning to follow Him. That's what we talked about last week, following the Lord. Here we're calling this trusting the Lord. And we put a little ditty at the end there, when your back is against the wall. That means when things are impossible. So we're tested too, aren't we? We're tested, just like the Israelites were, and God is going to make us learn to trust Him. That's one of the reasons why we're here on earth. We're to glorify Him, and the more that we trust Him as He takes us through these situations, the more glorified He is. It's about Him. Let's take chapter 14 and uh, look at the first four verses. This is the word of the Lord here. It starts off with that again just like it has in previous chapters. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pahiroth between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. We're getting near the end of the story about the Egyptians and Pharaoh, aren't we? We've done the ten plagues and now we're into this deal involving the Red Sea. Now remember, uh, when it starts off in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, or thus saith the Lord. This is the best thing we can probably get, or possibly get. The Word of God is what we pay attention to. And then when He gives those promises, then we go back and we look at the Word. Here's what He said. And a lot of times we forget those that seem to be so automatic. And that's why we want to continue to be in the Word every day. Be continually be reminded what God is, is speaking. Isn't that great? He still speaks today. He's a living God. Now, the Word of the Lord is what we want to heed to. And there's all sorts of different directions going on in our lives, but what we want to really do first of all is what the Word says. Moses gets instructions from God, and it's really dealing with how he's going to do it. And then he's going to tell the Israelites, Moses is, is what God wanted them to do. But Moses is told why God was doing it. So he has first-hand knowledge here, straight from the very voice of God. I think that's incredible. And then he's going to, as a prophet, speak forth the very Word of God. Isn't that great? So, anyway, God is making His way known to Moses. And He's going to make His acts known, His power known to the children of Israel. Turn to Psalm 103, verse 7, just for a moment. Said, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. So he made his known his his ways are known to Moses, and the very acts that he's going to do, the Israelites are going to see that. But they're told what to do, but they don't really know what the inside information is. Now they're sent to a dead end street here. Who sent him there? Pharaoh? No. God did. He did it on purpose. It wasn't by accident. God knows what he's doing. This is kind of where we left off last week, being led by God into this place. There's nowhere else to go. Uh, Why would God do this? Why would He box in His people that He just retrieved from Egypt? And He has them out there. He boxes them in and holds them in this very tight place. And there are as many as 2 million or so out there. And it's like, okay, now what do we do? They're feeling just fine, but when they start hearing the Egyptians coming on, and do you hear that? That's the Egyptians. That was part of this message that we had to be put in there. Did you notice how that timing is working? <laughs> we can make it work. <laughs> okay. Just to the north. The fortresses, the massive stone buildings that are uh, up north from them. And that's where uh, Egyptian uh, soldiers are, too, the, a guard there. To the west, you have Ramesses and, and Goshen. That's where they came from. I don't think you want to go back there. And to the east, you have the Red Sea, and you're not going to get anywhere if you head south. So you have the de- fortresses, you have the desert, it, oh, you have the Red Sea. I mean, what are we going to do? Pick your poison. You're backed up into a place. No back door. You can't get out of here like this. I think they're very vulnerable. And if you had a military strategist here, I would say, boy, he goofed up. He didn't look at the map. He doesn't know the area. Only thing is... God is the strategist and He knows what He's doing. And He has in mind a plan to do something with the Egyptians. Now this is what God told them to do here. Uh, This is where you camp. That's what I want you to do. So that's the information that Moses gives to them. Now God has a design. These are very strange orders indeed. Now the trap, it's for... Like we say, the Egyptians, although it looks like from human minds, God has made a mistake. He's made an error. But God had already prearranged that He would get the enemy into the tightest of all spots. That's what He wanted to do. He wants to get them there. I think He's a very ingenious strategist because He plans things long before it ever happens. Even before creation. He can do that, can He? God wanted the Israelites to go there and to know that God is the one who fights the battles. They can't fight. They have no army. They sure have the numbers, but they don't have any training. They don't have the weapons. They're just out there depending upon Moses who is depending upon God. He wants them to learn to wait, to watch, to trust. And that's why He put them there the way that He did it. And how many times have we been backed up in corners and God is just wanting us to watch, wait, trust. In the meantime, He's doing a thing on the enemy. And He does something that we have seen all through the first 13 chapters and on right into the 14th chapter, and it's the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So to make sure that his strategy works, God does what he had done already in the plagues. He hardens Pharaoh's heart. Look back in Exodus 4.21, and we'll go through a few of these, just for review. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt... See that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Interesting, isn't it? That was before all this stuff started happening. That's what he told Moses to do. And you remember that Moses really had some difficulties with all this. He balked and said, you know, and he made all sorts of excuses. And here he is at the end. God tells him to do something. What does he do? He does it. Go tell them this. You do this. And so he's doing it. Now chapter 7, verse 3. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. It's all about God, isn't it? Chapter 9, verse 12. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Sound familiar? Chapter 10, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. Chapter 10, verse 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. That was the eighth plague there. Chapter 10, verse 27, the ninth plague. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Chapter 11, verse 9, tenth plague. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you. Why? so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the children of Israel go out of this land. This is what God has planned. I think that you could compare God to a master chess player. Do we have any chess players here today? Aha, uh-huh. I knew. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Well, I'll tell you what, I played as a kid and my brothers just beat me to death on it. And I never have played since. But it's a good game. So don't expect me to play with you. You guys would blow me away. But God, he, he, He's a master at this. He gets Pharaoh to move his king into checkmates. And Pharaoh doesn't even know what's happening. He gets him to go right there. And he thinks he's making a great move. Matter of fact, not only is this the great move, he's going to win on this one. I've got him now. <laughs> Have you ever been there and been surprised? Uh, Pharaoh was tempted to think that he could get back those Israelites. Or if nothing else, just kill them all. They yeah. can't get away with this. You know what? God didn't really have to make him do that. In this hardening of the heart, I want you to think about it. He doesn't make people do what they don't want to do. Do you know where I'm going with this? Because, or even, it's not going to be something that is opposite or contrary to their normal behavior. He's inclined to do these things already. But God does His work in that too. You see the nature of man. He wants to do evil. God can then just make him more and more hard. As we've seen Pharaoh also uh, be hardened uh, on his own. But we see that God is coming to play and He's just using natural man and the inclinations that man has. And this is the way that Pharaoh goes. And it's still part of God's plan. Who gets the glory? God does. What seemed a very easy victory here for Egypt, we can just pick them off. It turns out to be a terrible defeat for them. The Lord gets all the glory. So you can see why He said, I'm going to take my people out there, set up the trap, lure the Egyptians in we win a great plan isn't it in the last destruction of Pharaoh's power the world would even see or have it written before them or told before them how significant the God of Israel was still is we still have this story today quite a story and it happened in what now is a Muslim nation Egypt I was listening to Bill Federer uh, yesterday at the Capitol and he was stating I think it's very interesting the early church because of I think Mark I think it was Mark yeah had gotten the church going in northern Egypt and so in those very early years uh, of course, it was Coptic, but that Egyptian church was was strong. And, um, matter of fact, if you think of northern Africa, you think of, uh, in the early centuries, uh, you think of uh, Augustine and uh, some of the great theologians that came out of that area. So, you know, I think it's very interesting that along comes the um, the Muslims, uh, what, 700s, 600s, and... And of course they're able to expand and they, they took Egypt and they've been Muslim since then and the, that time that um, he was here and of course they've gone Turkey and spread on out through even the uh, you know, Eastern Bloc nations on into the West and of course here they are today in our own country now and you look at history and you've seen what uh, they have done it's been pretty incredible without the power of God Uh, They have Allah, but that's just a fake God. But anyway, uh, right there in uh, Egypt, now it's a Muslim country. They had many gods there before, but it's nice to know that Christianity was there. Let's look at the enemy, verses 5 through 9, and let's see what they do now. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled... And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people and they said, Why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pi-Heroth before Baal Zephon. Why does a Pharaoh need to be told why the Israelites have left whenever he's the one that told them to get out of there? That's interesting, isn't it? Well, he had given the orders to go, obviously. Maybe he expected the Israelites to go on a three-day journey and then come back. Maybe he still had that in mind. Some commentators bring that forth. All along, that's what Moses had said from the original outset. We're going to go on a three days journey. That's not lying, it's that we're going way out there. Three days is a pretty good trip. And maybe Pharaoh is thinking that, or maybe he's just thinking, you know, he's so hardened that. I'm going to go get them. I can't believe we let them go. They've already forgotten what has happened. What was the tenth plague? They lost their firstborn. You had death in that country. When a heart is hardened, that hardened heart will do anything that is despicable and to actually try to chase them down again. Whatever the reason is, uh, they weren't coming back. They hadn't started coming back. And... You know, as they keep on going, and maybe now that he's getting a report where they're at, he's thinking, "Oh, oh, we, we've got him. We can get him." Maybe it seemed to the Egyptians that the Israelites were just wandering out there aimlessly, and that's what it looks like. What have we done? We let our whole slave labor go for free. Well, they had a lust for power, a lust for dominance. That's why people do the things they do. Whenever I look at uh, abortion in our country and how it has mounted and multiplied, and now you, we have a president, we have congressmen that are pushing it to its max. You know, the furthest it's ever been, trying to get it up to the point of uh, what, as soon as they, they come out, you can make a decision even. Is that what they want? Like the Roman Empire? I mean, how far can this thing go? How, you know, isn't there any kind of thinking here of maybe we're putting people to death? No, not at all. They don't think that at all. And it's not even people. You know, well, we know about this. I'm not going to just harp on that, but it's that's a hardened heart. I mean, that is so hardened. You know, a, a, a human being and having their lives taken like that in such a terrible way. But it's all about power. And it's all about dominance. And that's why these leaders are into doing what they want. Well, anyway, they're not coming back. The Israelites are not. This is too much for Pharaoh. He's going to chase them down. And you'll notice in verse 6, So he made ready his chariots, took his people with him. Look at this. He took 600 choice chariots. All the chariots of Egypt with captains over one of them. He took the best of the best. Got the best army. He got the special forces. That's really what this is. When when you're talking about 600 choice chariots, you have special forces in military. That's what he's got out there now. The whole army is even pursuing them. After all the plagues, is the best army going to defeat this almighty God? What a hard human heart. And if it weren't for God who came in and changed our heart, regenerated us, we would have the tendency to do some of the same things. Who knows what we would do? I don't know. I don't have the power to do good things. All my righteous acts are as filthy as rags. But Christ in me now wants to change those. And now I can offer up to God by uh, the Holy Spirit who lives in us things back to God that He accepts and that He rejoices in. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That He'd do that to us. Well, they are going to get what's coming to them. No doubt about it. Every one of them. Did Pharaoh actually think that he could take Almighty God on? He was the world power. This nation was it. If anybody could do it, it was going to be these Egyptians. The worldly power cannot defeat God. So no matter what's happening in our government, no matter what kind of situation we have here or how far it goes, who knows, it cannot defeat God. It will never defeat God. And even though it looks like it's happening, it's not happening. God is using it. I don't know how. You know, it, it You know it. sure looks horrible. But I know, and you guys know, that He's going to make this work out for good. He has a plan. I, I can't understand it. But I look at this story and I can say, hey, I don't know the details, but... We're on the winning side, guys. We are on the winning side. And we win every time. Well, God gave him up to the passions of his heart. He hardened it. That's, again, that's what he says in verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. Now, and then he reminds them that, oh, yeah, the Israelites had gone out boldly. Remember that? When they left and they took the spoils of the Egyptians, they took what they'd given them, and there they are. And then they're seeing all the firstborn that were dead and they were burying them and they're going out of that country victorious and they know God had done a great work. And so they went out that way. And remember that because in a few moments we're going to look at something different. So they have a lot of courage. They have a lot of bravery. Uh, This whole thing, they've had triumphs. And and you get to experience that sometimes in your Christian walk, don't you? And then the great. Then the enemy comes along. And he says there that the enemy comes and overtakes them. The horses, the chariots. Oh, here they come. You can imagine the sound, the noise of those chariots, all that great army coming on. Israelites are going to hear that. So now we have verses ten through fourteen. We go into Act 3. As we look at this theater. It's building up. And Moses... Oh, 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 oh. oh I'll just skip that. Got to go back to 10, not 13. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold... Did you catch that? And behold... The Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They saw things. They heard things. God has just told them all along, or Moses is telling them, you you know, what they're going to do. God has a plan here. And fear comes in. In a huge way. They have just been victorious, and now this. And you know what they did? they did here? They lifted up their eyes, or they took their eyes off of where they should have been looking. Looking at God, looking at the direction that He's given them. We go back to Exodus 13, verse 21. Remember this? And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And that means all the way through. He never took that pillar away. He's right there. And instead of looking at him and saying, no problem, God's got this under control, it doesn't look good, but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to trust. So I've seen what he's done already. No, what do they do? They look at the enemy, which looks so powerful, and so menacing. And so they're looking at the worldly way. If they keep their eyes on that fiery pillar, they're going to be all right. But then they took their eyes off the Lord, they looked back, and they saw this. The enemy's coming, they no longer became frightened, but what did it say? They were very afraid. That's not faith, that's the opposite of faith. Now they're doubting. They're doubting what? God and who he is. Now, things were going had been going well, they obeyed the Lord. That's the way it went throughout the rest of the history of Israel. When things were going good, amen, you know, they could praise the Lord, you know. But then they would do things that would be displeasing to God, and then He would have to punish them to wake them back up. And time and time again, then He sent the prophets. You remember the judges before that? Everyone did right what was in His own eyes. And then they'd get a judge and turn it around and be fine. And then all of a sudden they'd get their eyes off, you know, and everything's going fine. Well, here we go again. When things look difficult, they start to complain. Now, we've seen them complain before, heavily. Whenever Moses said, you know, he came in there and he was going to do something and it didn't work out for them and they started complaining already. Well, here they are again. And we're going to see this over and over out in the wilderness. The water, the food. On and on. This scenario, I think this strikes right at home with all of us. It's conviction time, you ready? How many times when things are just going smooth and just fine and great, praise the Lord, man we can, you know, just you know, praise him, read the word and just thing be going really fine. And then when the Lord does some things and changes some things or things just come up in situations that don't favor us, then what do we do? Well, the Lord's will doesn't agree with our will. What do we do? We become disappointed with the way that God is doing these things in our life. And we don't like it. So when we start to forget God's promises, when we start to imagine the worst how easy it is to do. I say we, because I'm included in here. (laughs) Because that is the battle. We need to remember the battle is the Lord's. So we really need to check in with the commander. Check in with his word here and be uh, lit up with the light, the truth. The Jews knew that they would perish. This is what they're thinking in their own minds. As soon as this army that they're seeing came in. They don't have a chance. Oh no, we're all gonna die. <laughs> we're doomed. You know. And then they start asking that question, you know, uh, you know, it's it'd be better to, you know, to die in Egypt. Have you taking us away to die out in the wilderness of all places? Worst place you know why here we're going to die and all God is doing is putting on display the promises that he's made he's putting on display his great power and it's all about him and so if we remember in this grand theater the star is not Moses and it's not the Israelites it's sure not the Egyptians it is God so what do they do? They they cry out to God and I have to give some encouragement to there because they did turn to the Lord. First thing they did, they cried out to the Lord. And that pillar is up here and they, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, facing up to him crying out. I don't know. However it is, they mean business. And they are very concerned They're scared out of their minds. And if you heard the sounds and you knew what was getting ready to happen, you'd probably think, oh, we're at the end of the rope. This is it. We did all that and now we come out here and that's it. But as soon as they cry out to God, here's the next step they do they go to Moses and start complaining. What better guy to go to than Moses? He's the one that brought us out here. Let's go to him. They look for someone to blame. That's the way that sin always works, isn't it? When things aren't going right and start blaming God or crying out to Him and nothing happens immediately, then what do we start doing? We start trying to find somebody to blame. Well, Moses is an easy pick. let that pass that's not the Egyptian air force is it <laughs> okay <laughs> we can really get into this story now couldn't we okay <laughs> if relief doesn't come quickly after praying what do we do So well, gotta blame someone and they start saying this we told you so that's what they're doing we told you this would happen first sight of trouble You know, they're willing to march right back to Egypt. (laughs) Let's go on back. I can't believe that, right? They're ignoring everything that God has already done. Circumstances are not the way to measure the character of God. When things in our life aren't going the way that we want, we might even start blaming God. God forbid, don't ever do that. Just say, Oh, thank you, Lord. I know what I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing what's best. And you're going to make this come out to be working good. And Lord, I, I, I have a hard time dealing with this, but I'm counting on you. All right? But if we start measuring who God is by the circumstances, we're going to look at a weak God. We're going to bring him down to our level. And we forget about His attributes. you know, The all-powerful one. The great gracious God. So, anyway. It, it sounds like these slaves, who are actually free, would rather go back and be enslaved again. Now looking at the problem, if you stay in that position long enough, you're even going to start questioning the very roots of your faith. And forbid that to ever happen. Because there's no need to question your faith. Sometimes we need to examine ourselves to see where we're at in the faith. If we have truly trusted the Lord, then your faith is being tested. But don't let it be destroyed, right? Yeah. God's going to hang on to you. Just, uh, just keep looking at Him. That's the key. You can get through this, right? Now, in verse thirteen, it shifts again. Uh, we have encouragement here by Moses, and this is all kind of a part of number three, though. Moses said to the people, "Do not be afraid. Stand still." See the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more, forever. The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace. There we go. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to fight. That is how salvation happens. The more we struggle and fight and offer up works and stuff before we're saved, it's going to be meaningless. He wants us to recognize that we're nothing before Him. And it's going to take all His grace to bring us to Him. It's incredible here. Moses, first of all, says, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, and um, when we look at this, we know they have fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Moses knew what God had promised. Moses is at, at ease here. Well, it's because he has that stick, right? <laughs> the rod, and he's going to raise it up. Well, the rod just represents God's power, right? Nothing magical in it. God, you know, uses that visibly though. Faith calls us to live. Through uncertainty. And faith even calls us to live through fear. When sometimes it doesn't look like there's any kind of assurance of anything good coming out of this. Now we know we sing the song Blessed Assurance. And we believe in that. But at the time, you know, we kind of forget about the Word of God. We We forget about His presence with us. With the, the um, Israelites, God is right there. Matter of fact, the presence is um, uh, the fact that there's, there's a cloud there. Symbolically, I mean, it's, it's like he's, he's right there. So they can actually see something. We live by faith and not by sight. The Lord is going to fight for us. The Lord was going to fight for them. You need to be still. And, and quit fighting. It's, it's like the, the swimmer who's out in the lake and he's drowning. And as long as he continues to fight and struggle and to try to save himself, even if somebody is trying to get him out of that situation, a very good swimmer trying to rescue him, as long as he continues to do that, he cannot get him up. But as, long as, he, as soon as he stops, And then that one can rescue him. Psalm 46.10 You know, the Psalms have a lot to say about this Red Sea situation. I mean, this is such an awesome story. The Israelites had to be reminded about God's power. Not only in the Psalms, but you'll see it in the prophets. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll see this story. But let's look at Psalm 46.10. You've heard of this one. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. May not be right now. Ultimately, He's getting His will done. But one of these days, as He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, His kingdom, He's ruling. We know that. But there's still things happening that do not honor God. And we hate those things. And sin is happening, right? He's, he's conquered at the cross, but it's still something to happen. So we have a kingdom now, but there also is a kingdom to come that we look to and where He will be exalted and every knee shall bow and every tongue that will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Rest in that. Be still. Know that he's God. Stand still. Quit fearing. And it is very strong in the Hebrew whenever he says stand still. He's talking about don't fear, stand still. It's almost like saying this Shut up. Be quiet. Because they're rumbling and grumbling, mumbling. And he's got to tell them to be still. So it may not be as quiet as a little soft whisper. Be still. It might be as uh, some commentators suggest in the Hebrew uh, that way and that he's saying be quiet with an exclamation point. Uh, This is not necessarily a straight comfort statement for them. (laughs) You know, uh, he's he's showing that um, their faith the way that it looks is, is not really steady here, you know. The Lord fights for His people. He delivers His people. The human response is this We're afraid. When we're afraid, we then run, avoid, whatever. We fight, you know, and struggle. Unless uh, really not letting the Lord do that. And then we go tell everybody. God's counsel here is the opposite. I think this works today. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Be patient. Be quiet. Look at Him. See the salvation of the Lord. Do you think that statement is pretty good? Is that good Good uh, counsel come from Moses? Just Because you can't do anything about it. Just stand back. I think it's a great salvation uh, verse. I think it's representative. This literally happened, but I think it's a great representative of us what happens spiritually. Stand back. God is the one who does it. He's the one. He is salvation, isn't He? Now from 15 to 20, we get direction given by the Lord here to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. There we go. This is famous, isn't it? And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Can you imagine Moses hearing this for the first time? Does he believe it? Oh, yeah. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians... And they shall follow them. So I'll gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. <laughs> Only God could do this. Go forward. Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell them to go forward. Why are you crying to me? Well, maybe they've been crying, so maybe he's going to the Lord. Or maybe he's representing the people, and he's saying, whenever he says you, it's representing all the people, whatever it is, God's speaking to him here. And it's like, this is what you do. First of all, go forward. tell um, the Children of Israel, you know, don't try to retreat. Don't scatter anything. Go directly to the seaside. Just keep on going. Go all the way to the sea. As far as you can go. Go to the seaside. Obey. Leave it up to God. Doesn't make sense. Obey. <laughs> Leave it up to God here. Trust Him. Hmm. Directions are given for this Red Sea crossing. Moses given. Moses was to take that staff raise it up the waters would start dividing then the Israelites would walk through in that dry land we know the whole night that uh, God uh, took something natural which is the winds and the sea and started this whole action but it's all a miracle this is all a miracle it's it's, it's the way that that sea came up and piled up like walls on both sides and I believe that as the wind blew that on the floor of that uh, water where it had been is now going to be dry with these amazing winds coming in and just drying it out for them just to go right through there. And it, was, it would be an easy pathway. God's going to get the glory it's because He's made it happen this way. What a miraculous thing to do! He could have just marched the Israelites on out, held the Egyptians at bay, And that's it. But he wants this to be seen in all the world. Now, what I find fascinating is the cloud that was up over them is now going to stand between the Israelites and the enemy. It was in front, now it's in back, and it's like a wall that the enemy can't get to them. So he does hold them at bay for a little bit, is going to lead them on in. The angel of God, we should always be reminded here that uh, this is the presence of God here. This angel of God in in the presence. And I think uh, a lot of times when we see this angel of God, the angel of God, who other than, the presence of God, who other than who? Jesus Christ. How does God show himself, reveal himself? His son. He doesn't leave his people. By the way, when you run into the rock in the wilderness, guess who that is? He doesn't leave His people without protection. He doesn't leave leave His people without care. The cloud is giving light to the Israelites at this dark night. And at the same time, over on the other side, in the other enemy's camp, it's totally dark. They can't do anything. They've seen darkness before, and here we go again. But the Israelites are just... Being able to do whatever they need to get done. Amazing how God works. Okay, now let's go into the final act of this great work that God does in in this chapter, on this theater, 21 through 31. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now he comes back and explains some more. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, the morning watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses who they complained. The last part here is the mighty power of God is displayed. We've seen the setup on this. We know the story. And this is all a revelation of the greatness and power of God. What reason do we have to fear when we really concentrate on this power of God? The psalmist, like I said earlier, would praise the Lord for His mighty works at the Red Sea. You can go into Psalms 66, 78, 80-81, 105-106, through, 81, 105 through 106, 136. And there will be passages alluding to this story. And it's to remind the Israelites. They were, they were not to ever forget this. The prophets did the same thing. And He opens a path through the sea. And it's um, this is all taking place through the night. East wind is drying out that bed. This is all a supernatural event. God's using natural things. He's bringing confusion to the Egyptians as they are pursuing now. This was a terrifying confusion. What a mess it had to be! The form of wheel trouble. You ever had a flat tire? (laughs) I don't know what happened with these wheels. Like, it's says in 25 he took off their chariot wheels I mean yeah they're going to have all sorts of trouble you know they get in that area and all of a sudden now what are they going to do and of course you know the water starts happening and then the mud happens all sorts of chariot problems and wheel troubles and they're seeing the Israelites you know and they're, they're so close to them and now they're having troubles. they're saying only God could have done this the true God and you know what what I see whenever I think about this I see favor on His people. And then I see the other ones, He didn't give them favor. He didn't let them cross the Red Sea. And then chase them all over the wilderness after that. Well, let's look at Psalm 77, 11. This is good to remember. This is easy. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely... I will remember your wonders of old. When you don't think He's powerful enough, just think about this story we're looking at today. This is not a fairy tale. This is not just a little children's Bible story for some entertainment. This really happened. Look at verse 16. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. They're going to... They're going to do whatever he says. The, the depths also trembled, the clouds poured out water. The sky—did you know there was a storm happening at the, at the time that they had crossed the Red Sea? As the Egyptians are coming in, here comes this great storm. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock. Here you go. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. Do you have chills down your spine right now? The waters are obeying God. Out of the sky comes uh, just a great, tremendous storm. Awesome whirlwind. Who knows what all is going on at this time. If you're an Egyptian, you have to be scared to death. And they were. And they were swallowed up by the water. But here it is. He brought these people through this. His own people. Like a flock, He led them through using Moses and Aaron. That's out of just Psalm 77. God delivers the people through the dry land and the sea. That's His grace. His grace is seen when He puts favor on them. And yet at the same time, we're seeing the wrath of God. Israelites didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve this great grace. Not a single Hebrew was hurt. Unscathed. And all the Egyptians were killed. I think this is a great picture of redemption and resurrection. They come up out of the sea. promise of things to come. What about God's wrath on the enemy? God brings payback. Do you remember the drowning of the baby boys of the Hebrews? Well, here's a drowning in the Red Sea. God says, I remember that. Watch this. Wow. You don't mess with God's people and get away with it. Within moments, the sea at Moses' command comes crashing down. The walls of water swoops up on them. The Egyptians have been entering the water. They're all in there. The water went right back to its place like it had been. The entire army is wiped out. Egypt pays the ultimate price. And then, in the last couple of verses, 30 and 31, here are God's people. They see all this. What a great work. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. That could be rather frightening, but I think in this sense, I think they are glorying in this, because they just know what God had just done, and they, they were, it was made very evident to them their enemy is done. I'm not going to be coming after them anymore, not the Egyptians. <laughs> we might have different enemies out there, but you know, God's protecting. Them. The enemy is defeated. And the Israelites experience yet another victory. They're washed up on the shore. Their escape is complete. They're on the other side. That's number one thing. That's what they see. I like verse 31. So good. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. Not them, but the Lord. In Egypt, where they've been slaves, what do the people do? Remember the fear that they had a while ago? We are to fear God. Have that right kind of fear of that holiness that He has. But then put it in a proper perspective. Recognizing that He allows us to see His holiness and He allows us to be in His presence with great grace. The people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. Those really go together. God's promise was true. God did everything. They couldn't take any credit. They just walked through. It was easy. It was a like a walk in the park there's <laughs> a cakewalk i mean this was simple i just walked on through their fear is this right kind of fear the healthy fear they're having a relationship with god they're seeing something they haven't seen before every time that they see something and in the fear that they had actually it turns out to be good doesn't it God already had that in mind. It wasn't like He was saying, oh no, what am I going to do now? I'll figure something out. I know I will, but does God ever do that? No. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? (laughs) I used that one time. Sorry about that. you A long time ago. How could they not believe God? They gave God glory here. They, They fear Him. They believe Him. They're they're now identified with Moses, and in the New Testament, it said they were baptized into Moses. They were baptized in the sense when they went down into the Red Sea and walked out of there. You know that represents as there's, there's new life here. You know um, that's the idea when it says, and that's what baptism means the most—to be identified. They were identified with Moses, who is identified with. God now it's interesting that the historians say after looking at history that the Red Sea was a very unfriendly place for a long time to the Egyptians it is stated in the history that 17 years later they came back to the Red Sea They held it in awe because they know what the true God of Israel did there. They couldn't deny it. They lost all of their army, their best, all of them. They're done. The firstborn are done. So the Red Sea was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not even going there. What can we learn out of this? I think we've seen it as we've gone through. Is this really application stuff? This story brings us right into us. Sometimes, I've got them up there, I think, on on the screen. It takes tight places to break out of old habits. God has to squeeze us in sometimes. There are old habits that we're still carrying around. And He might take us to the extreme to where we have to trust in him, him to get rid of those old habits. Number two, when we're closed in on all sides, we don't have anywhere to go. This is too easy, but it's too hard. The only place to look to is God. Number three, we've seen this so many times, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. He gets the glory. He does the fighting. Another one is the Red Sea or the Red Seas that we have. They open. They can close at the command of the Lord. You guys had Red Seas in your life? Much? (laughs) He opens them. He closes. He's in control. This is all for good. All for good. I think coming to this this Red Sea is just as much a part of God's plan as as crossing it. They could have just crossed it, but this whole way that He carried out it, a predicament in God's hands is only a highway to the promised land. Chuck Swindoll said that. I thought that was rather interesting. A predicament in God's hand that it's only a highway to the promised land. It's not a predicament to Him. It's a highway for us to go exactly where He wants us anyway. Oh, the Lord is great, isn't He? He is mighty and He cares for us in such a way that we can't even understand. He's working all these things out for good. Now that, I think, is the way to look at the positive type teaching in Scripture because it always has to end with God's grace and then we can say, I can trust Him for that. But it doesn't always mean things coming out the way that I would want. We have a better life coming. It's great now. Much better to come. Let's uh, pray.